1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Bike Radar podcast. My name is Simon Von Bromley and I will be your host today. Joining me we have Ashley Quinlan, our senior road technical editor, and Oscar Huckle, one of our finest technical writers. Now today we are going to talk a little bit about 1 by drivetrains for road bikes and whether we think they will ever go mainstream on road bikes. But before we jump into that, how are we today chaps? How are you Ash? How, what have you been up to recently?
2: uh well i just i've just finished uh testing uh the, my bike of the year bikes my i've been doing the say
1: we've been saying that for <laughs> yeah saying talking bike of the year for months now haven't we? it, well, been,
2: we've been doing it for
1: months yeah. you know there's a
2: lot of testing that goes into it um i've been doing the race you know racy performance category um it's been a lot of fun they're eye-opening in some respects and uh yeah uh, lots but- of bad weather Lots of bad weather, yes, uh, but you know we we do, in our infinite wisdom, decide to do this testing over yeah. sort of f- between Christmas and the start of spring. So it couldn't be worse weather if we well, tried. Well,
1: we optimize it to publish when it's most relevant for the readers. That's a sacrifice that we make, isn't it? If you say so. Smallest violins, yes, yes, well, yeah. <laughs> the smallest violins for us, I'm sure. And Oscar, how are you? I believe you've just got a
0: new long-term test bike. I have indeed. Uh, so I've taken on a Look Seven Six Five Optimum, which is the brand's new endurance bike and I've been getting uh, plenty of miles in on that.
2: First impressions are good. Yeah, it's got a nice nice paint job on that. So your first impression is re- more important than paint job, but go, tell uh,
0: well, us about it. So the paint job is a um, really classy-looking pearlescent flip green, uh, which kind of sparkles in the sun to like a purple. Uh, nice. It'll be nice when we get some sun, won't it? I mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then first impressions are very, very promising. Um, I have actually already published my first... Uh, review of the bike on bike radar and it's scored a four uh, and uh, I've got no no issues with the frame whatsoever it's just the parts that are on it that have dropped it slightly but the frame is fantastic it rides really nicely um, and I think it pushes endurance bike geometry in a, in a, in a new direction very good. Now, for
1: those who don't follow Oscar on social media, you should good follow if you don't already. But Oscar did a rather lengthy ride this weekend. Did you ride this new bike for that?
0: I did. Yes. Yeah. So what? what <laughs> Tell us way... a little bit about <laughs> that, Oscar. Uh, so uh, over the weekend, I rode the Paddington Express uh, Audax. Uh, which is 409 kilometres. Ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, And then rode the 5K to and from the start to make it 420.
1: So that's from basically Bristol to London, Paddington, and then back again, all in one
0: ride. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, That's
2: mad. That's totally mad.
0: In the Audax, you have to meet, uh, go to, I think it was five different controls to prove that you've completed the course. And yeah, luckily it went well um, and... Although there were some moments that were hard, um, I didn't ever struggle that badly like I have on some other rides. Uh, so Great, must be a very good bike then, I well, guess. Well, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> well, he went four times further than I did on the same day, so he's, yeah, he's, he's, I think he's maybe four times like, rider I am at like the
1: eight <laughs> times further than I did this weekend, <laughs> I think, but um, anyway, anyway. So as I said earlier, we're here today to talk about one by on-road bikes and whether we think they'll kind of ever really go mainstream. Now, we have just finished. The kind of spring classics, which are the kind of traditional opening races of the season, one day kind of primarily flat parkours. But if you've, you have know, just watched the age best on the age, that obviously had a lot of climbing. But we did see quite a lot of one by drivetrains used this year, specifically by SRAM sponsored teams such as Jumbo Visma and uh, you know Trek Segafredo, those types of riders. Now, Welt van Vanart used one by at Milan San Remo. A number of them used it at Paris-Roubaix, which, as we know, is a fairly flat race. Now, so the question we're asking is whether this is kind of, whether we are on the cusp of a kind of one-by revolution in road cycling or whether this will just remain limited to the kind of flatter spring classics, time trials, and that sort of thing. So, what
0: is the current state of one-by on road bikes, Oscar? So a one-by drivetrain uh, is a is a drivetrain with just a single chainring, so it foregoes the front derailleur, front gear cable, uh, and a front shifter. If you're on a, a mountain bike, uh, or the shifter internals on a gravel or road bike, uh, and you still have the same number of gears at the back generally, so anywhere from 10 to 13, uh, and. Typically, the rear derailleur will have a clutch mechanism to stop the chain from slapping on the chainstay and to keep it taut. Uh, whereas on a, on a two-by drivetrain, the front derailleur um, keeps the chain uh, on the chainring. Whereas on, on one-by, there isn't anything to keep it on there. Although some some riders like to use chain keepers, uh, and the reason why it may be used at Payara Bay is first of all for that chain retention, because you're riding on cobbles, the chain's going to slap on the chainstay, so it makes for to ride, generally. Uh, and also, um, because you, well, the idea of one by is that you still have the same range, but encompass that all into the cassette. Uh, so you may have a, a smaller starting uh, cassette cog, and then a the larger, uh, the biggest gear on on the cassette to get you up climbs. So
1: it's sort of similar to the kind of one-by-drive trains you see on you know, gravel bikes or mountain
0: bikes. The very same, essentially.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, is it fair to say, that, Ash, that one-by-drive trains on road bikes is still, in, in terms of, you know, bikes you can buy off the shelf, is it still a fairly niche thing, right?
2: Well, it's definitely still in its infancy. Um, it's not something you often see. We're, we're talking about pure road bikes now. It's incredibly rare, incredibly mm. rare. 3T had had a had their... Oh, was it called the Uno Strada? The Strada. Sorry, it was called the Strada, and uh, they they had their Strada bike, and they designed that around a one by drivetrain. Perhaps slightly too early in the, you know the techs, mm-hmm. you know, genesis. If you see what I mean, um, it went to the pro tour, got some mixed reviews there, um, and and has said you know they then made a a doué version, they a, did, you know, yeah. with the with two by, you know, basically modifying it to be a to be a two by drivetrain bike, and. And so you know it is still very early on um, in its development, um, and and so you know it take and you know road cycling takes uh, you know historically it takes an awful lot of time to absorb change.
1: For, oh, for, never, we're all so keen on new. We're tech always ash. looking, yeah, exactly.
2: We're always <laughs> we're, you know we're always 25, 25 years behind mountain bikers. I Isn't that how it goes? Um, but no, it, generally speaking, we're you know it's it, it's still a it's still a very young technology, um, and. Um, it, you could easily argue that there's there's a lot more development to be done, um, or at least a lot more establishment for it to to to, to be able to come online to be a little bit more mainstream.
1: So you mentioned the, the Strada there, and I think you're right in the sense that that was released around the kind of time when, you know, Shimano and SRAM, for example, were both kind of still in their 11-speed generation. Yep, yep. So now with, you know, we're kind of getting on to, you know, within 12-speed with Shimano and SRAM. Um, Campagnolo has 13-speed on its Ekar group sets. You know, obviously Rotor had their Uno group set with 13-speed. You know, do you think 12 or 13-speed makes any significant difference to, to solving some of those kind of problems?
2: On paper, yes, it does. I think you get you, you know, you obviously have more ratios, Um, and let's not forget that a one by and a two by, well, excuse me, a two by drivetrain, whether running in 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 your big ring or your little ring, there is some crossover of gearing there. Um, So you could find the same gearing difficulty in the single ring, or you know, on a smaller sprocket as you could on a bigger sprocket in in the big ring. Theoretically, the crossover isn't massive, but it's there. Um, So you are kind of getting rid of that some of that wasted. I and mean,
1: you wouldn't run it in that anyway because,
0: you know. Well, there is no crossover, different. really, is there? <laughs> no, yeah,
1: yeah. So you would have, yeah, I know what you mean. Like you've got kind of gears that are duplicated, right? Yes, that's what yeah. I mean,
2: exactly. So it's not, it's not, they're not linear in the sense that you cross over, but yeah, you are exactly right. So you do
0: get that.
1: So what is the kind of major, like, kind of advantages and disadvantage of, say, you know, a two-by versus one-by and then vice versa, Oscar?
0: So I think I've partly answered that already, but the advantages to one-by. Uh, are we just doing this for the road, or just for road? Just scenario? for road. Yeah. Okay. Um, so first of all, like I said earlier, on chain retention when using a clutch mech, uh, because the chain doesn't slap on the chainstay. Um, the ability, uh, for example, on a time trial course to not have to worry about changing the front derailleur. Um, that might well, if you're racing, that might cost you a few seconds in a in a race and just having a single chainring there eliminates uh, that problem. Uh, some manufacturers, such as SRAM, uh, make uh, chainrings that are aerodynamic. Um, for example, their their TT one by chainring. Uh, so that, that's another advantage. A uh, disadvantage is the, um, the, the fact that you are halving your gears, essentially. Uh, the jumps between each gear are bigger. Because you have to achieve that same range uh, as as a two by, uh, and I'd say yeah, I'd say they're the main pros and cons. I think I think for me, um, the issue
1: with with one by uh, versus two by is that I still think I really enjoy the kind of greater overall range that a a, a two by system allows, mm. and it, and it's certainly not something that I necessarily need all of the time. But, you know, for example, like on my on my road bike currently, I have my, uh, I, obviously you know, I'm a chronic Fettler, a mm. person who works at bikeRadar.com. but I, I have my, my chain ring set up with a 36 tooth inner ring with a 53 tooth big ring and an 11 to 34 12 speed cassette. So that's,
0: a, that's <laughs> a lot of range you've yeah, got going on there.
1: Yeah. So I have like a lot of range and it's something that I've really leaned into in, in recent years, you know, because previously... Yeah, I, I used to you know when I kind of back in my my racing days, I, I used to race on a 53 39 and then off you know most often an 11 to 28 cassette and that you know when you're in the tw- the 39, 28, that was still a pretty big gear. And so if you came across a big climb, that wasn't really enough but 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 these days I'm kind of really leaning into those like you know kind of you know wide range cassettes. But I still quite like having that double chain ring up front because I really like that feeling of the big gear and you know the, having that range, but then also the kind of smaller ring that makes climbing, you know, really, really easy compared to you know, the idea of having a kind of 44-tooth chain ring or a 48-tooth chain ring and then a maybe a you know a 36-tooth largest cassette sprocket. That's that still feels like quite a big gear. You'd be grinding uphill. So Yeah, I don't know how you two feel about that, but I I still feel like the range of a two-by and just that ability to, you you know, have the big ring and then the small ring because front-shifting is not too bad these days. Like, how how do you guys feel about that? What do you think the state of sort of front-shifting is? Because I think that's kind of one of the main problems that, you know, one-by purports to solve is that, you know, front-shifting is not so good. And you mentioned there, Oscar, that potential for chain-drops, but I don't know. I don't feel like I have that many chain-drops. Ash, what do you think?
2: Properly set up, you probably shouldn't have any chain drops. Um, or you know, with good, you know, shifting technique, I would say. Um you can you could you could shift really poorly and and find you you know, you lose all the chain tension and it drops in between the two or it, you know, falls down the you know next to your bottom bracket. Mm. And it you know, it, it really depends how, how you're riding. It it takes some of the one thing I will say for one by is it takes some of the thinking out of the the shifting process. I mean, us sat around this table now, we ride bikes all the time. We don't have to think about it necessarily. Um, Not every rider is is quite as attuned to riding a bike in the way that we are because we just do it all the time on all different kinds of setups. So it it just works for us. Um, Plus we have a mechanic who sets up our bikes for us. That's, that's, you yeah, know, so, you know totally. it, it, it means yeah, Not
1: every bike is perfectly set up no, and not everyone's comes... an experienced rider. No, that's but a really it, fair point. It
2: is. And so when you, well, at least I think it is anyway. No, it so is. So when, you, when you've got, you know, you're, you know, just you just have to work one derailleur and you're going up the cassette or you're going down the cassette to change your gears um, and, you know, everything, and it's super simple in that way. I think that, that can really appeal to a lot of riders and, um, you know, I don't think you're, at, 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 you know, not below a certain level, but at a certain level, I don't think you're really losing anything in terms of usability. In fact, I think it probably makes it easier. That being said, you know, I would personally, I would I would lament the loss of, of my front derailleur, I think. You know, I like being able to, when I hit a climb, for example, on a road bike, I like being able to jump from a big ring to a little ring straight away, job done, no worries, no worries at all. Um, I run a mix of mechanical and Di2 drivetrain. So when I'm on a mechanical setup, naturally I shift right down to the sp- into that small ring, and then I might manually go up at the cassette, and I might do that. But that's an automatic process. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get Di2 set up in semi-synchro mode, for example. It will do it for you. SRAM has similar compensating modes as well, I believe. And so you know you can set it up how you like how you like it. With a one by, you are locked into sort of rapid shifting your way up and down where where you need to um that being said you know that's that's still relatively simple to do and if you do just need to quick shift three or four times and you know because you've got experience of that of that drive train that that's going to be enough for the particular climb that you're going on let's say you know that climb it should work just fine so it's a slightly different style of of gearing and handling your riding i think
1: what do you reckon, Oscar? Our front derailleur still a kind of a problem that need to be kind of solved because you know if you think about it in the part you know we were reading through I was reading when I was researching this podcast I was reading through the comments and someone kind of pointed out that you know the triple chain set died because of the increased range of double double s- oh, setups, the right. set right
2: yeah so and it, was, it, it gave me an awful lot of choice i've still got <laughs> i've still
1: got one on my commuter bike funnily enough and and i have to say i, I don't really rate the front shifting on that because sure. it's much more sensitive yeah um but i find two by chain uh two by chain sets or crank sets as we call them a, a little bit less less problematic but yeah what do you
0: think oscar so i think the state of uh front derailleur shifting is on the most part very very good um, i think shimano is the clear winner out of the big three in terms of the quality of its of its front shifting uh, is
1: that kind of electronic or both mechanical and electronic
0: with shimano levers you have one shift which is big in between the two chain rings, and then a secondary shift to to trim it um with campagnolo essentially you have four equal shifts right so <laughs> you need to be well you need to be you need to know um on what side of that chainring you in essentially um and if it's for example rubbing on the uh big big um the, uh, and your and the front derailleur is in its most outer board setting then you, you need to remember to, to trim it and, and vice versa um but generally the, the the quality is very very good um i haven't used any of eps uh, company that those eps group sets so i can't comment on that um sram front derailleurs i think that's their weak point personally um they're just not quite up to up to snuff Uh, I mean they will shift between chain rings um, but I think there's a reason why they've concentrated on one by and um, your question on would I want to ride one by on the road um, I think I agree with both of you that I prefer two by I have actually ridden uh, a bike with one by on the road for for two seasons in the past so I had a uh, cross bike and uh, using winter to, w- using winter road tires on it. That was my uh, road bike for two uh, for two seasons uh, during the winter. Uh, and yeah, I always felt quite limited on some of the climbs. Uh, so I think on that, I had a I had a forty two uh, tooth chain ring and an eleven to thirty six. And forty two thirty six is a big gear for going up some steep climbs in the yeah, it is. Chilterns <laughs> and and the Surrey Hills uh, and. On the flip side, I would always spin out going down uh, down descents. Uh, now, I do think that one buy technology has greatly improved. So, for example, um, I've, I, I run Campagnolo Ecar on my gravel bike, and I love the fact that the first six uh, cogs have one tooth jumps between them because it it means you can fine tune your gear. Mm. And I think if more brands uh, perhaps revised uh, the. Uh, profiles of the teeth on uh, on the cassette than that th- it might improve, but I think just for having shorter uh, gear jumps, so smaller gear jumps between each gear, uh, you can't really replace that compared to a two by.
2: It's it's interesting when you you talk about cassettes, and you know at the moment we we tend to have options of cassettes where you get some extra range or not quite so much range and that's about it and that's all it's really marketed towards now if you've got a one-by system why? you know as you say you really enjoy your ECHAR system with six single tooth um uh jumps uh, jumps yeah. um and and that and that's great and that, that that's for context that's a 13 speed cassette yeah. right so you know that's great but what if you what you know they what if Campagnolo in a, an ideal scenario, created a cassette where those six single-tooth jumps are in the middle of the cassette or further down the cassette so that you could have your cassette set up for the kind of riding you do. So you may not want it in a certain zone on 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 the
0: cassette. I think you'd always want it towards the bottom, though, because, because when you're going faster, that's when the single-tooth jumps matter more. Mm. Whereas when you're climbing, let's say you've got a 10 to 44 uh, cassette Having single tooth jumps between the twenty and twenty six, for example, it's not, not yeah. Important for I that, think is
1: it? I think that's generally the way I would pref- prefer. I think so. Shimano updated their cassette. Um, progressions shall we say uh for the later 12 12 speed group sets and they they kind of more closely mimic uh srams although obviously with an 11 tooth starting cog rather than a 10 tooth one and i think yeah personally i i've, I've found that having a eleven thirty four wide cassette as long as they're kind of the Harder gears are, are more closely spaced. I, f- I found that feels better because I had an 11 speed fir- 11 to 34 cassette before, which was very equally spaced, yes, with kind of two tooth jumps in between. Sure, but yeah. actually, when you were down that bottom end, as Oscar said, the difference between you know a 14 and a 16 or a 12 and a 14 is actually a really big jump, yeah, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And you notice it a lot more mm-hmm. when you're like you know on the limit pedaling as hard as you can. Whereas, I suppose, you know, the difference between you know, 30 and 34 and 32 and 34 at the other end isn't so bad. But I, I agree that it would be great to have that choice to, to kind of do what you want. And, as you know, I suppose that's, you know, if you if you were going to run one by, you know, for example, you know, I have often been tempted to convert my time trial bike to a one by bike, bike because, yes. you know, yeah. if anyone knows anything about um, the British time trial scene is that famously most of the roads are pretty flat. And you just go up and down an A road, come to a roundabout and turn around. So you'd think, you know, perfect for a one by setup. you know, slightly more aero as, as you said, Oscar, you know, potentially you can move the chain chain ring out to get a slightly more efficient chain line and, and all of that sort of stuff. But, um, the thing that kind of keeps me from doing it is that, you know, in, in theory, I, you know, I still go out and train on my time trial bike. Mm-hmm. And I'm not always riding at race speeds. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're just not. You know, when you're not in the full full kit, you're not going as fast. And then you know, there are more hills in my training rides than there are in in the races. And so I still want that kind of inner ring, just for those training rides. So you now you could get around that by having kind of multiple chain rings to optimize for every kind of ride you go and do. But it's it's labor intensive. That's right labor intensive. Yep. Yeah. I do like... actually
0: do that sometimes. Do you? Yeah, yeah. So um, on my gravel bike, I'm running a 40 tooth chain ring. And I've got a a, a 38-tooth spare, which I use for bikepacking. So I so I have an easier gear. For, yeah, when the bike's and so I could,
1: I could do that, but then it just thinks I could just keep the front derailleur. <laughs> yeah, it
2: depends. It depends how keen a mechanic you are as well, right? Yeah, like, I,
1: I certainly wouldn't be going around doing that myself
2: personally. Do you, you, I'm, do you, Oscar? Short, you have a little bit of a background in do that. Do you shorten so. the
1: chain every time you do that, or do you just leave it? Luckily,
0: I don't need to on okay. that setup. But yeah, that would you, be you, my you would, that yeah. would be
1: my worry as well. Is that you've got to start like lengthening the chain or shortening the chain? Well, doing...
0: you would keep the chain in the longer setting and then. If it's only a small difference, like a two yeah. teeth then it should be fine to run in the in the longer set, uh, the longer setting with the smaller uh, option.
1: Yeah. Well, you mentioned earlier, obviously, uh, Ash, and we talked a little bit about it, the 3T um, the uh, Strada. And actually, we wrote we published a story on BikeRadar.com this week about the uh, Viello Alto. Uh,
2: the Viello R Plus One. Oh, that's
1: right, yeah, the, uh, the Viello R Plus One. And now, conceptually, that's quite a similar bike to the kind of 3T Strada. Sure, yeah. It has a you know, one-by-specific frame set, room for wider tyres. You know, obviously, it's you know, more modern now. It has integrated cable routing and all of that sort of stuff. Sure, But the kind of crux of the news story was that they've paired it with a classified power shift hub. Uh, For those who don't know, the classified power shift hub is a kind of planetary gear system housed within a hub. And it effectively gives you, it's kind of got two speeds to kind of replace that front derailleur. So you can have a one by drivetrain on your bike, but then the wheel gives you... That kind of you know, front derailleur shift that you that you're kind of missing. So theoretically, you get you know, all the advantages of a one-by-drive train, but then you also get the two-by drivetrain. Um is that something that might make the difference, do we think, potentially? Or is that kind of just going to be, you know, given the expense of it, perhaps, something that's going to be reserved for, you know, maybe people looking chasing marginal gains? I
2: think so far as the expense goes, as technology gets older and you know brands and classified in this case you know gets better and optimizes the way it it manufactures the system and as they grow as well and, right? and as they grow it's going to get cheaper as time goes on now um you know right now you know the classified system in reality the classified system basically gives you back what one buy takes away right yeah it, that's there's no getting around that um I know we have we currently have a uh, classified system in for review right now. It's been fitted to a bike, so not been supplied to us by a bike brand, you know, with the vested interest of, um, you know, pushing this so they can sell its one by classified equipped bikes. We've got one, you know, being being tested properly right now, and um, you know the, some of the positives that have come out of that so far, are, you know, sound really compelling, um, and I think you know it's 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 one of those where. It could make the difference. It could make the difference, and the fact that the technology now exists is that it's answered a question no one was really asking before, um, or created a solution to a problem that never really existed. However, now that it's found that solution, it, you know, classified has found that solution potentially. You know, it's possible that it could, you know, take over, mm. and we could see it at all levels of the sport. We could. Um, I honestly don't know whether it will or won't. I. I I like to think that the option for both will will still exist, Um, but... You know, it's it, time will tell, and, and I'm sitting right, really high up on the fence there with that. <laughs> but time will tell with it.
1: Yeah, of course, and I think that's the case of anything. I mean, obviously, when I first saw the Classified Hub, I did think like, oh, that's amazing, because I could, you know, I literally thought about my TT bike, and I thought I could have my, you know, sure, Super yeah, yeah, Aero yeah. one by TT setup with the, you know, like with the big kind of Victor Campanart style chain ring, mm-hmm. and but then I don't have to. Forego mm. that little ring. You know, you can have your big chain ring for efficiency. You can have the one by setup, and you know. But then you still get that hub. But then, I've kind of stewed about it for a little bit, and I thought, oh, but then I wonder if it's a bit like a, you know, a, a bit like a, a power tap rear wheel, for example. Now, for those who don't remember, power tap used to make uh, hub based power meters, and they were very good. I think they were very reliable for their day. Obviously, the obvious issue was that they were kind of they tied you into a specific wheel set. So you know obviously back in the rim brake days if you had one in a kind of a training wheel that was no good for race day and if you had one in a race wheel set, perhaps with a carbon rim or something, then you might not have wanted to use that for training because obviously, you know, braking kind of wears out your rims and all that stuff. And suddenly, you've got two power meters and the expense of that. Plus,
2: it, it, exactly, not, and know. then it's
1: not cheap anymore. You might as well have just brought an SRM. And S plus or minus two percent accurate, and of course, that's <laughs> versus each other as well as. Yeah. Sorry, I'm. I'm getting. No, off topic. no. Yeah, that's power. Touch. It was flawed. One it for way. our power meter history podcast yeah, series. Perhaps. <laughs> yes, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously, in the disc brake era, that's not such an issue anymore, right? Because we, you know, most of us can you can happily ride kind of one wheel set all round these days because you're not k- trashing your rims. I mean, what do you think about the kind of classified tech in general, Oscar? Do you think that would kind of tempt you to re- to replace your front derailleur? Uh,
0: I think it's really interesting, and I, I think actually um, it does answer the question um, that some people ask, which is uh, to those who prefer to ride a two by drivetrain over a one by. I think this this could be the thing that. That moves people over um, i think the system looks very promising i haven't ridden it yet so i can't offer um, an opinion through testing uh, you've already touched on the point about about being locked into one wheel the um other couple of things that um slightly um uh, concern me as well is the fact that you have to use the brand's uh, smart for axle which connects wirelessly to the shifter uh, so, if you're changing between bikes, then you've got to do some admin of changing. Um, they have like spaces in the dropouts um, to move things around. Uh, at the moment, as it stands, if you're, um, well, it's only compatible to use uh, with Shimano's 11 speed DI2 shifters. So, if you're using Shimano 12 speed or SRAM or Campagnolo, uh, then you have to use a separate ancillary button. Uh, So I'd like to see classified, do some work there. Uh, And also your handlebar has to have a hole in it for the uh, wire to run through. And not all handlebars have that. And if you've got a carbon bar, then drilling a hole through it will... Likely invalidate your warranty, I'm so. saying, and potentially it's a bad idea. Exactly,
2: Tom, our own Tom Marvin is testing testing. Yeah, it what right did Tom do for, for his? <laughs> um, I think for five for, the, for five minutes he considered drilling a hole through his handlebar and then thought better of it and got a different handlebar. Um, but yeah, you know, your point your your point stands. You know, it's yeah. not it's not something you really want to be doing. Yeah. But it is fair to say that classified uh, the, the tech itself is. Uh, you know it's getting more and more established it's getting more and more polished but those options you know those those axle options necessarily or being able to sell some of that patented tech so that you know other brands making axles for their wheels could theoretically then include that tech in their axles for your bike or you know for the bike brand because it goes that way around now doesn't it bike brands have yeah. their own axles um you know as time goes on And the company gets bigger and theoretically more successful, should it sell more units, et cetera, et cetera, perhaps it can develop that tech. So, you know, the more people that want it, probably the better it's going to get, I would suggest. Yeah. Um, And that's usually how it works, isn't
0: it? Going back to your point uh, earlier on, I, I remember when our test sample came in, and it was uh, quite challenging for you to find someone to test it because because the system needs to meet all these parameters.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, it, we wanted to make sure we did it properly. Yeah, yeah. and right, of course. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. and you know, you've you've got to give it every chance and give it, you know, you know. You, but, you, but the you've point got to give of it, it bit, uh, best, best success, right?
0: Yeah, but the point of it needing to, to well. The point of your bike needing to have uh, this and that for it to work. Oh, of course, yeah. I
2: couldn't test it because I didn't have a bike no. that, that would that would have you know accommodated right. the system, yeah. and 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 it's true for a lot of people on
1: pre-existing bikes right yeah. now.
2: So there is that hurdle to
1: overcome. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I think yeah, because I, I, obviously. The expense is, you know, we've kind of already touched on it, that like, as you say, the prices are likely going to come down. And the same could be said for kind of electronic drivetrains and and DI2 and, you know, disc brakes. You know, we all had to buy a new bike to get disc brakes, didn't we? So, you know, if this is kind of one of those, you know, so-called revolutionary pieces of technology, then maybe as prices come down, you know, the next time you're buying a new bike or, you know, whatever, then you kind of upgrade to it automatically in the same way we might have upgraded to disc brakes or something. And and it's in early days. It's fair to say the classified is kind of a first iteration that we're testing, isn't it?
2: It is, it is. And also, you know, we're seeing an ever-growing list of brand partners. Vielo, as we discussed earlier, being just one of the latest ones. You know, the more brands you have on board making these bikes from scratch and designing it around the system, by default the more you're going to be in the market the more that people will see them in bike shop you know in bike shops and online and maybe more tempted to buy the system as a complete package rather than trying to think of it as a really complicated or or wearisome upgrade you know path that's actually at the moment pretty difficult to to walk right as we found out when we were finding you know trying to get a bike to to test it on
0: the other thing as well is that one buy opens possibilities of frame design so uh, if if classify does become popular, then the the many brands can start to experiment with the design of the seat tube, for example, because it hasn't got to take a front derailleur anymore. Uh, so, yeah, it, it could open some interesting things in that respect.
2: But whether it revolutionises things yeah. and, and to makes bikes X kilometres an hour faster or or easier to ride, you know, what X watts easier to ride over a certain certain distance, or or however it be, I'm I'm still not so sure. I'm still not so sure. You know, I see... I see a lot of rhetoric around, you know, removing the front derailleur makes everything a lot, uh, you know, a lot, it, not a lot, but you know, markedly error more yeah. efficient. And I think I think there's 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 data to back that. But you know, my legs spinning around that kind of area all of the time when I'm riding, like I can't believe for a second it's making that much difference. You know, it's it's difficult to yeah, to, it's, it's difficult to believe some of that sometimes. Although there is data to suggest,
1: I, you know, so the kind of data that I've seen, it, it you know, it's if it, it's one or two watts basically, exactly. and it it's, kind of depends. How big the front derailleur is, you know. Obviously, you know we mentioned Aero chainrings earlier. You can, of course, get Aero chainrings for two by setups as well. Um, yeah, removing the kind of front derailleur, it's a small gain. You know, when you switch to a one by system, theoretically, because you can then optimize the chain line, because you can decide where to put that chain ring. You know, a little bit, you can theoretically optimize your drivetrain efficiency a little bit more. But then of course, yeah, if you're, you know, running a Shimano one by TT setup, for example, and you decide, well, I'm gonna run a, you know, a, a chain guard to make sure the chain doesn't fall off because my DI2 rear derailleur doesn't have a clutch mechanism, for example, you know, then obviously that's losing some of that front derailleur sure, you're error. Put, you're advantage. You're putting something, yeah, there you're putting you something back on that you just got rid of and then all of a sudden maybe that efficiency gain isn't there anymore. So I, I think it's kind of, you know, it, like i said it's one of those things that even i as a kind of you know marginal gains chaser person you know with wax chains and aero socks have decided that are... Uh, you know
0: prob- and now aero base layers yeah
1: exactly aero base layers as well if you read my latest feature and you know silly teardropped helmets and and skin suits and you know all latex overshoes and all these sorts of silly things you know even i haven't adopted this yet because of the kind of practicalities of you know living with a bike as well as you know, obviously if you're a pro And you've got two TC bikes, you know, one for racing, which the guy which your mechanic sets up for you exactly how it's supposed to be for that specific race that you're doing. And then you have another one at home, (laughs) which is set up for training, then that's all fine. But you know, for most of us that's just not realistic, right?
2: Yeah. And I think I think it's quite valid to say that. You know, if if that's you know anyone sitting at home now, maybe you're listening to this podcast, you're in the car, or you're you're riding a bike, even or whatever it is you're doing, and you're thinking, oh, do you know I might like to give it a go? I, you know, I bet you've given a second thought at least to what if it goes wrong? How easy is that path? How do I do? I just get a replacement unit, or you know, I understand that they're supposed to be very low maintenance, and and those are the claims around it. But there's always that what if because you don't classified, yeah, because you don't see you know your friends riding it. It's like pretty proof of of the herd, is sure. it? You know, you see all your friends riding, you know, kit and not having problems with it. You know, you you tend to switch over to it. You know, it's pro- p- partly why it's a totally separate issue, but partly why many people don't switch over to tubeless because you have one person who had a really big <laughs> issue and then they go, no, do you know what? I don't want that in my life. I just want to stick with the with the devil I know. Yeah. And perhaps perhaps that's what two by is to a lot of people and will remain so for a long, you know, it's an uphill fight for for Classified, but, you know, they've got the capabilities of winning it, but they've got to overcome that. They've got to overcome that, you know, better the devil I know mentality, um, you know, born out of experience, you know?
1: Yeah, I I, I I, still think cost is going to be a major factor for a really long time as well, just because, you know, if you think about a Shimano Tiagra front derailleur, I mean, that probably costs £25 or something like that, right? And, and obviously, you know, a double chain set may be slightly more... More money than a, a single ring setup, but probably not by a lot, considering you know narrow wide chain rings are slightly more expensive. And so, I think the kind of two by setups at the kind of basic level will always or is going to remain kind of mainstream, especially on lower end bikes. I, I could, I can, I can potentially see this kind of one by and, you know, maybe hub gear stuff taking over at the kind of higher end on, you know, specific race bikes that are designed, you know, for like an aero road bike, for example, if someone was to release an aero road bike with a one by Mm drivetrain set up, like I I could see that happening, even if it perhaps I would think, oh, no, that probably wouldn't be for me, you know, and my type of riding. But there are certainly people who, you know, race crits or flat road races or, you know, do lots of fast group riding for who, you know, maybe, yeah, like a, a kind of you know, if we're five years in the future and all the new, all the new drivetrains are 13 speed, mm-hmm. you know, that, that is going to kind of make one by maybe a little bit more, uh, kind of appealing to people. I also think one of the kind of major things holding back, you know, one by is as we kind of slightly touched on a bit earlier, that, it, that kind of, it's just not getting that exposure at the top end of the sport right we're here talking about it because it's had a little bit more sure yeah. but until it kind of becomes really mainstream in the kind of pro peloton i think a lot of road cyclists will be hesitant to adopt it because i think you know rightly or wrongly for better or worse a lot of people are still really influenced by what we see at the tour de france right that's why we're all riding around down there you know a lot of people are riding aero road bikes even if they don't race
2: yeah yeah i i i tend to agree but you know you you've I think, I think if we've all got our head screwed on and you say, right, well, I'm, I'm looking at whoever, you know, a pro rider. Well, I'm not riding. saying it's a
1: good idea. <laughs> uh, no, no, exactly. We've all got our head screwed yeah. on. We look
2: at a pro rider and go, yeah, but I'm not a pro rider. No, I'm but- not that strong. And I don't, I'm not riding over, you know, Paris-Roubaix cobbles and, you know, over flatlands for the vast majority of the, you know, of the, of, the, of the parkours. And, you know, I don't, you know, it works in that situation, but does that really work for me? And I think that's probably still an unknown for many people.
1: Yeah, it's a tricky one. I know Woz, you know, Woz has has that big thing about, you know, you should buy the bike you you, you know that's right for you, not the bike that you want, you know. When we talk about the difference between endurance and road bikes for example. I mean, Oscar, you've just obviously as we mentioned earlier in the podcast got a new endurance road bike, you're kind of look. Now you also have, you know, you have a you'd had a Specialized Alley and, you know, a, a Pinarella road bike for example. How have you found the difference between know kind of a more endurance based road bike and a kind of you know racing road bike
0: quite transformative actually and that was one of the reasons why i picked that bike as a long-termer to try something new out for a year um so much more comfortable over longer distances uh, because it has a wider tire clearance and comes with with wider tires uh, as stock uh, and a slightly more relaxed geometry uh, no i'm i'm really impressed so far
1: Oh, wow. Well, maybe we really should all be riding endurance road bikes. Um, Rubbish. No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, I, won't, I won't hear it. I won't hear it again. So let, let's kind of put our cards on the table then. Where do we all stand on kind of two-by versus one-by at the moment? You know, what's on what's on your own bike, Ash? And, you know, would there be anything that could convince you to switch from where you are now?
2: Uh, without any proof that it could work for me, I wouldn't switch, personally. What's on your own bike? Uh, I have a... Oh, What's on my own bike? I have 105 Di2 at the moment, twelve, two, uh, you know, two by twelve speed 105 Di2 on my Fairlight's Trail, and I've got a 11 speed Dura Ace um, R9100 mechanical on my Canyon Ultimate. Um, I because I haven't ridden classified, I think I, I need the proof in front of me. I need to go and ride it now. Um, I will say I am incredibly interested to try it. But what about one by without classified? No, not for me. And I that, that's probably because I like I like the system I have and I can't see I can't see material benefit to me by switching, apart from spending more money on, you know, like getting having another bike to sort of ogle at if, you know, I do it the way I want to do it. Mm. And, you know, it'd be just another financial drain. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day because it's just another system and I've just I think if even if I had one I don't think I'd ever look at it and go on a road bike especially it's a different story a little bit with gravel bikes mm. absolutely uh, in fact it's a totally different story with gravel bikes but when I'm looking at a road bike I don't think I'm ever going to look at a one by equipped bike and go yeah I'll have that over my two, over my over my sort of you know 105 di2 bike I just I just wouldn't do it um and that's where I am at the moment. Yeah. But as I say, as I say, I must give you know, credit to the technology. It's really intriguing and I really do want to try it because <laughs> it could be that I go and try it. Yeah. Um, you know, Tom said to me after he gave me his first right impression, he said to me, um, well, I asked him, uh, you know, how, how are you getting on with it? He goes, it's annoyingly good. <laughs> you know, and and, yeah. and and I'll leave the rest of it for, you know, because there are Wait lots of, the, yeah, the big review, but, uh, you know, I would really like to feel what he's feeling. Sure. So we, we shall see. But um, yeah, at the moment, no, not for me.
1: What about you, Oscar? What's on your bikes currently? And uh, yeah, anything could convince you to switch? Uh,
0: so on my road bikes, I've got two by, um, but like I said earlier on, I have ridden two winters with a one by system. Uh, no, it didn't convince me to switch, so I'm happy to stick with Two by.
1: So even if Campagnolo brought out a 13-speed super record EPS Oscar, you wouldn't be knocking on Ash's door to. I'd t-
0: certainly try it, <laughs> uh, but, I, but I can't see myself owning a bike of yeah. it. Um, but on gravel and for mountain biking, I'm um, the opposite. I would only ride One by, and I'd never go back to Two by. Uh, and I'm also really intrigued to try the, the classified system. So why
1: do you why do you think the kind of difference is so stark there between you know gravel and mountain bike and road, for example? What is it about road riding that is that is makes two by so kind of useful to you? Uh,
0: because the terrain changes so dramatically when you're riding off road, and having those bigger jumps doesn't really matter. Uh, and on the road, uh, the smaller jumps are more important uh, because of the slight changes in gradient. Uh, and also a one-by system on the road doesn't provide a suitable uh, descending gear uh, paired with a, a good climbing gear. Um, normally it's either one or the other. And uh, the compromise then is is that the jump's too big between each gear. Uh, so now I'm, I'm, I'm happy to stick where I am.
1: Yeah, I think I'm on exactly cool. the same. I think I'm on exactly the same page as you guys. Like I um as I said earlier, I have two by on on kind of my road bikes and um and my and my time trial bike as well. I actually on my old uh Giant TCR I cuz I didn't want to get rid of it and my wife was kind of eyeing it up as an and you know, an unused piece of junk lying around the house. And She said, "Oh, what are you going to do with that?" And I went, "Oh, I'm going to build it into a, a hill climb bike." Uh uh that's, you know, cuz it's a rim brake Giant TCR of course it, you know. So I got a one by chain ring for it and, you know, and then I was like, oh no, if I tell anyone I built a hill climb bike, I'll get roped into doing hill climbs. So I put it in the loft, but, um, (laughs) I probably get that out at some point and give that a go. So I can see for sort of like those really specific things, you know, time trials, hill climb racing, you know, maybe crit racing, for example, I can see where it would be really good. But yeah, I think just there's with, with, with road cycling it's really hard to get away from the fact that, you know, one minute you could be going up a really steep hill, a 20% hill that would require your lowest gear. But then, you know, the next minute you could be going over the top, you know, and especially if you, you know, do group riding, you could be riding 30 miles an hour down the other side or something. And you just, you need such a different gear to what you were using moments before. And I think it's just always going to be very difficult for, as as you've said, Oscar, and to for a one by system to kind of, match that range but then still provide those kind of those tightly spaced ratios so you know never say never but i think i'm also with you guys that for now i i just don't think one buy is quite ready to go mainstream
0: although clearly uh for some riders that isn't the case so yeah interestingly on the uh on the couple of audaxes that i've done that there are a lot of people there riding one by and uh, i haven't really figured out why yet <laughs> you should ask them yeah, should, go, I should. I, i'm oscar yeah. huckle of BikeRadar.com, yeah. uh, and i
2: must know why are you running one by
0: yeah. i suspect it's because of the ease of maintenance sure. Uh, sure. And, yes. and the fact yeah. that your hands get tired and you only want to use one one hand to change to change gear if it's uh, um, it's always yeah, the same difficult. hand though isn't it yeah
1: but <laughs> <laughs> well, 50% of the effort actually. yeah it's true <laughs> That's true yeah I, you know i think yeah to 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 that point obviously ash made the point earlier that you know two by systems can be a bit complicated and especially with kind of modern integrated shift and brake levers for example i know my wife when she did a little bit of cycling kind of struggled with the idea of you know especially cuz you know her road bike which you know i, I kind of now use as a commuter bike had, had the triple chain set it's got you know free it's got trim positions it's got three different chain rings and actually it's a very complicated shifter when all she really wants is easier, harder gear. Yeah. And she doesn't want to have to think about, you know, because if you don't get it quite right, the chain rubs. And as, as Ash said earlier, like if you mistime a shift, you can drop the chain as well. It can drop off the big ring onto the really small one if you press the button in all the way. Mm. So, and that can happen on doubles as well. If you kind of shift at the wrong time, it is possible to kind of mistime it and drop it and all of this stuff. So, yeah, just because we haven't got it on our bikes and don't think we're going to move it doesn't mean that if you have one by system on your bike doesn't mean you're wrong and if you think it is really good then please send us an email at podcast at bike and tell us why you think one by on road bikes is so good otherwise if you have any other questions or comments please do email us there and let us know otherwise please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review if you think We have done a good job. Otherwise, thank you very much, Ash. Thank you very much, Oscar. Thank you. you. And thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bike Rider podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.